All right, welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Chasers podcast. Today we're venturing into a topic that is essential for every entrepreneur yet often overlooked, how to legally protect your business. Our guest is none other than Andrea Sager, the CEO and founder of Legalpreneur. Andrea is not just an attorney, she's among the top 27 out of 40,000 trademark attorneys in the United States. She has made it her mission to equip entrepreneurs with the legal tools they need to safeguard their ventures. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about this. Me too, me too. So let's just start off right away. Like, What are most entrepreneurs getting wrong when they're setting up their business and stuff like that? Oh, there's so many. But number one is to have an LLC from day one. I have heard, you know, so many different answers. And if you go to a Facebook group and ask, oh, should I, when should I file an LLC? Should I be a sole proprietor or an LLC or an S Corp or an LLC? You'll get a million different answers from a million different people. But I'm here to tell you that you should be an LLC from day one, even if you haven't made any money. If you have a business or are planning to launch a business, you need an LLC. And an LLC is a limited liability company, and that protects you personally from the debts of your company. Even if you currently have no debts, even if you currently don't have personal assets to protect against, you are protecting yourself now from anything you may acquire in the future. And isn't that the goal? It, the goal is to acquire assets. The goal is to grow a scale and that ultimately that will come with business debts. But at the end of the day, you personally don't want to be liable for the business. Okay. I love it. How you just went straight to the LLC. You made a recommendation there. So let's dive a little bit more into that. I mean, we don't need to get all into S corps and C corps and stuff like that. But the first one I did was an S corp and that was recommended by an attorney friend. And in retrospect, I think that was the wrong move. So like what are pros and cons of S corp versus LLC? So an S corp actually is not a business entity. It's a tax filing status. So most people that say they're an S corp, they're probably an LLC taxed as an S corp. Some are corporation taxed as an S corp, but most are an LLC taxed as an S corp. And the reason that you probably eventually do want to have that S corp tax filing status is because of the savings it can provide you. So when you are an LLC, just an LLC, you're taxed the same way as if you were a sole proprietor. So the LLC really doesn't change your tax status. The only thing it does is provide you that personal liability protection. So when you're a sole proprietor or just an LLC, you are getting double taxed on your pay. Because when, you're, when you have a W-2 job, you only pay half of your taxes and your employer pays the other half. But when you are a sole proprietor or an LLC, you're the employee and the employer. So in order to avoid paying double tax on all of your pay, you want to make that S-Corp election in order to pay yourself just a reasonable salary, which that number is going to vary for many different things. And you'll, that's a conversation with your accountant. But the S-Corp basically allows you to pay yourself a minimal salary, something that is reasonable in the eyes of the IRS. And then anything on top of that, any profit, yeah, that's distributed to you as profit, and that is taxed at a lower rate. So that's really where the tax savings comes in, and the S-Corp can save you 20000 22000 per year in taxes. 
Absolutely. So our audience, just for some context for you, is mostly real estate agents and, and real estate investors. So I think both of these 1099s commission-based positions, they should have a corporation, yes. right? Well, let's get a little bit more granular here and talk about the benefits of an LLC for an agent or an investor. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as an agent, you want that income. And it's, of course, you want to be protected personally, but also you want to make sure that income has the ability to come to you at as low, a low cost, as low of a cost as possible. So when you are making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars per year, yes, you are very active in the business, but you can work with your accountant to figure out, hey, how can I lower my tax liability? One of those ways is having that S-Corp election to just pay yourself a reasonable W-2 salary, and then the rest is distributed to you as profit. And so not only is it the liability protection, it is the tax savings because you cannot even be an S-Corp unless you have the LLC or a C-Corp. And the C-Corp, I tell most clients, most small businesses, they're fine with an LLC. The corporation, honestly, most of the time is when you have investors. So for a legalpreneur, as an example, we started as an LLC. We started as an LLC. And then once we started getting investors to grow and scale, that's when we switched to a corporation. Because if you have, if you just have a couple of investors for a, a real estate project, it may still be an LLC, but we were pitching VC investors, angel investors to really have more than just a couple of investors for a limited project. This is something that we are taking invest, we took investors for to really grow and scale and sell within five to 10 years. Um, if that's not the case, if it's just going to stay a small business, then I would suge typically suggest just the LLC. Okay. Um, absolutely. So what do you think are three top legal mistakes that a lot of entrepreneurs are making, especially in the startup phase? Yeah. Yeah. So number one for sure is your name. Your name is the first thing that you want to trademark. And I see entrepreneurs all day long getting in trouble with trademarks and it's something that can easily be avoided. And really what throws people off is you may do a search on social media, Google, maybe even the trademark database, and you don't see anything that's a direct hit and you're like, oh, okay, I'm good to go. Or you add in a word or make something plural and think you're good to go. But that's actually not the case because trademark infringement doesn't just occur when it's the same exact name. It can be anything that's similar enough to where consumers are likely to be confused. So if it's similar enough, and the, if the name is similar and the goods and services are similar, it's probably trademark infringement. So that's number one. And then uh, number one, picking a name that's too similar. And then number two for trademarks would be not trademarking everything that you can. So trademarks identify your brand your brand name, your logo, a slogan, a product name, a service name, anything that has a unique name within your business, it can be protected with a trademark. And you want to protect everything you can, because especially as an online business, your most valuable asset is your intellectual property. So you have to make sure that it's being protected at all costs. And if you ever want to see an exit as an online business owner, what are they valuing? They're they're valuing your intellectual property. So you have to make sure all of those things are protected. Now, 
the other, so that trademarks really is number one. Number two is copyrights. So copyrights are your content. This is your creative work. Photos, videos, blog posts, website copy, this recording right here, all of the content you're creating that it's all protected with a copyright. Now, the number one issue that I see with entrepreneurs is using photos that don't belong to them. And you, we've all done it. We've all done it at some point. We find a picture from Google, Pinterest, Instagram, whatever, and post it as our own, whether we post it on social media or put it on our website, that's a no-no. And it's almost become a business model for some photographers because hands down, it's copyright infringement. Even if you give someone credit, giving credit doesn't mean anything at all. It's still copyright infringement and you can still be sued. So what's happening with photographers, they will, it's very easy to do, uh, to search online to find where your photos are being used without permission. And so there are law firms, not saying that this is morally right, but, or ethically right, <clears throat> But these lawyers, these law firms will go and find all the unauthorized uses and they'll send out these waves of cease and desist letters and just try to get as much money as possible from these people that are using the photos. I, I mean, I've had clients that come to me and they're like, hey, is this a scam? And I'm like, unfortunately, it's not a scam and you're going to have to pay because they will sue. So if you ever get one of those letters, don't ignore it. But basically what happens is they'll send out the wave of letters, see who's going to pay and get money and then they'll look a little bit more for the next round like okay who didn't respond who didn't pay let's dig into them to see if they have money to pay and so then they'll keep pushing and pushing and then ultimately they will sue people if they look like they have money so that's mistake number two and that's really the quickest way that i see entrepreneurs get in trouble is using photos that don't belong to them so do not use photos that you either did not take or do not have permission to use. So permission is, is a license. So if you find a photo on Instagram that you like, DM the creator and say, hey, I love this photo. Can I use it? Can I post it on my Instagram? Can I use it on my website? If they say yes, great, go ahead. If they say, sure, it's gonna be $100 or whatever, then you have to pay in order to have that license. Now, speaking of Instagram, if you, see a photo that you like on your feed and you share it to your stories, that's okay because you're using Instagram's features to share that photo. And because that person uploaded the photo to Instagram, you've given people Instagram's terms say that you now have given people permission to share it to their stories. But if you screenshot that photo and then share it to your stories or post it on your feed, that is copyright infringement. Wow. Terrifying, but extremely yeah. beneficial information, right? I mean, um, we won't dive into the ethics. I see enough um, personal injury attorneys on the billboards every day. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's talk about the name um, because, like, this is a fairly nuanced topic. When you first said it, I thought you might be talking about trademarking your personal name. So, I mean, I kind of want to 
get into yeah, that well, that's, a little bit because I happen, yeah. I happen to share a personal name with my father. Um, maybe I could get the trademark before him. Um, so there's that. And then also like in terms of naming, typically everything I've done, the LLC or the S Corp or whatever it is, has some sort of filler name. Um, it's not like mm -hmm. the actual name and then we get a DBA. Is that standard practice? So we'll just go into those two questions. Yeah, completely personal preference. I see it, you know, all across the board. If you have, because I tell people you can have XYZ LLC and then you can have a DBA for how you're actually doing business. The XYZ LLC, it doesn't have to be protected with a trademark. It can if it's presented to the public somewhere, but really you want to protect how are people perceiving your brand? How are people interacting with your brand? If you have XYZ LLC, but the brand is legalpreneur, I don't know, I'm just making this up, <laughs> then you want to protect legalpreneur. It's really not important about XYZ LLC. It's, the, it's protecting how the public perceives you. Okay, cool. But That's... personal names, legal names, that, that is actually a thing as well. If you have a personal brand and you're doing business with your personal name, that needs to be protected with the trademark as well. And you love a good lawyer story. I can't, I don't remember if this is in South Carolina or North Carolina, but there's a father and son that were in a big heated trademark battle a few years back. I think it, I think they may have been in personal injury law. It feels par for the course <laughs> for personal injury attorneys to be fighting over a trademark legal name. Um, but yeah, definitely a thing. <laughs> I, I could imagine a, a personal injury father-son showdown could be a, a like a bloodbath. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it could be real bad. Um, cool. That's interesting. I'm gonna have to look into that. Yeah. Um, I could scoop it up before him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about trademarking versus copyright a little bit more in detail. I think I mean you went over the basic concepts a little bit, but I'd love it free mm -hmm. to flesh it out a little bit more. Yeah. So trademarks. I always tell people that your money is most likely better spent on a trademark application rather than a copyright application. Because when it comes to copyrights, you automatically have protection the moment the work is created. You do not have to have a copyright registration. So when we record this, Tim, the moment we're done recording, it's protected with a federal copyright. You don't have to file the application. You automatically have protection. However, in order to sue someone for copyright infringement, you do have to submit the application. You do have to have already heard back from the copyright office in order to sue someone for copyright infringement. Now, on the other hand, that's not the case when it comes to trademarks. For trademarks, you do have to have the registration in order to have federal trademark rights. And I, I personally am a huge fan of federal trademark rights, especially for online business owners. A lot of old school trademark attorneys They'll tell you, oh, the trademarks don't matter because you're not going to sue anyone. Our goal is not to sue anyone for trademark infringement. However, when you're doing business online, you actually probably don't care if, you know, somebody has a local bookstore with the same name if you're selling books online. And so if you, well, very old school, but we'll say Amazon.com, you know, they started selling books online. Well, if there's a local bookstore in, you know, small town Texas called the Amazon Bookstore, 
you're not concerned about somebody selling online, most likely, and the people online really aren't concerned about this small bookstore. So that that's really the concern back in the day. However, now everybody's doing business online. And with you have Amazon bookstore, we have amazon.com, but somebody also wanted to start like the Amazon bookstore.com. That's a no, no. And even though Amazon is a huge behemoth, whatever they, they would probably sue and do whatever. When you're a small business, you don't have the funds to sue, but what you can do when you have that federal trademark registration, you can go to the domain name host. You can go to where their website's hosted. You can go to every social media site that they're on and submit a trademark takedown. So you don't have to sue. You don't even have to hire an attorney to do it. Once you have that registration, you go to each platform, submit their trademark infringement reporting form, and that that website, those social media pages, they will be removed, completely removed within a couple of days. And that's because if those platforms didn't abide by this rule, like within like the internet laws, then they can also be sued for trademark infringement. So this is their safe harbor to have this reporting form and to act on it. Because otherwise, I mean, Facebook would be sued every single day, a million times a day for trademark infringement, for copyright infringement. But they have these takedown forms in order to provide them with a safe harbor to not be sued for these things. Okay, and then what does the process look like um, for trademark? Is it typically like a cease and desist letter? Do you get like an opportunity to just stop or is it like straight to the, the, the court essentially? Well, if the per so this is really the process that I take my clients through whenever they find somebody that's infringing on them. I tell them, hey, you know, we can go straight to the cease and desist letter. However, if you don't want to spend that money, you can either a reach out to them first and say, Hey, this is my, my brand name. Here's my trademark. Please change the name. If they change it. Great. Perfect. They changed it. You didn't have to spend any money or number two, after that, you can submit the trademark takedown. A lot of clients are reluctant to submit that takedown from the beginning because they, they're not trying to ruin anybody's business or life. They just want to protect what's theirs. So mm -hmm. most clients are willing to give somebody an opportunity to change the name without getting their whole livelihood removed. I mean, I unfortunately have clients or not clients, but people that we have submitted takedowns for in the past that had their whole business removed. And I mean, it's, it's not our fault, but if they would have been, you know, doing what's mm -hmm. right, it wouldn't have happened. But I, I mean, I still get clients to this, I mean, not clients, but of those people that we submitted takedowns for to this day, they'll email me like, Hey, can you retract this statement so I can get this page back so I can get this website back. And I personally cannot do that unless I have permission from my client. So I'll ask the clients, but if they say no, or if I don't hear back from the client, I'm not legally allowed to do that. Everyone who listens to our show knows Matt and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, 
Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times you have watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. And the results prove this. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secret that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is why we have opened up a few one-on-one coaching slots with Freedom Chasers Coaching, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are and where you want to go And most importantly, how you want to get there, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are, where you want to go and how you want to get there. The benefit of working with Matt and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 successful people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven figure strategies and gotten the inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We are able to work with you to pick the strategy that will fit the best and then help you create the custom plan and steps to take you quickly into financial freedom. The fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. So let's just kind of do the same thing with copyright. So I mean, I think what you mentioned, like this recording is a good example. Um, not that I would ever do this, because it certainly doesn't fit my personality. But could I go track the internet and just start chasing people for copyright infringement, except for the guests, obviously, we give it out freely. But if I find this somewhere else, could I just literally just go attack people if I wanted to, which again, I wouldn't do. Yeah, if they were infringing on your content. Absolutely. So we actually do this for our clients we so we have a lot of designers a lot of creators that are constantly being ripped off people are they put out something new and immediately other people have stolen it other people are selling this or that and so we have a team that just scours the internet all day long looking for these infringements and so we do submit you know a ton of copyright takedowns all day long okay all right (laughs) <laughs> very cool um all right so let's talk a little bit more about legalpreneur um mm-hmm. which is going to be a little bit more of a broad strokes topic but like who do you guys serve in that capacity yeah so we serve all small business owners really i like to say we're full service for small businesses we also work we work with a lot of creators a lot of coaches really we run we run the gamut we have a lot of local businesses construction workers we have people in real estate it's all across the board and it's been so fun building because i i so i came from big law i thought i had my dream job working at the big fancy law office on the 38th floor in cincinnati ohio i could watch a reds game from my office which i thought was really cool because i'm a big baseball fan but i was miserable and all i wanted to do was work with small businesses but the firm didn't want to work with small businesses. And eventually I was just like, okay, forget this. Like I, I know I can make a living doing this. And it's really cool to just see that it it hasn't just been a living that I've been able to make from serving small businesses. And it's, it's just been a lot of fun. It's been a wild ride and love what I do every day. 
Absolutely. Let's talk about that a little bit. It sounds like you got your dreamy job. You worked really, really hard for it. It wasn't yeah. what you're expecting. It's, it's yeah. hilarious for me how often I have guests. Um, fortunately for you, you still used your degree, right? There's so many people I know that spent a ton of money for a degree to go work at Facebook. They got the job and they're like, oh, no, I can't do this. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. Like, I mean, it had to be somewhat of an emotional journey. Um, how did yeah. that look? Yeah. And what was really hard. So I was married at the time and he basically we had a, we had our first child once I started working there and he so he stayed home with our son once I started working and I remember the first week at the job I was like I can't do this <laughs> I just remember watching it just hit me all of a sudden I was like oh my gosh these people have been in this office like in the same seat as me since they were my age and I I remember thinking I was like I can't be here for the next 40 years of my life and I remember going home one day and explaining this to my now ex-husband and he's like, well, you have to stick it out. Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I think I could start my own firm and do this. And he was not about it at all. And so I stuck it out for about seven or eight months and basically the most miserable seven or eight months of my life. And I remember, so actually what happened we both weren't happy in Cincinnati. So we decided, okay, we're going to move back to Houston. So th that's where my family is, Houston. And so we decided to move. We put our house for sale on a Monday. Wednesday, I remember texting him and saying, I'm so miserable. Like, I think we have enough money to in savings to hold us over for the move. Can I just quit today? And he said, why don't you just wait until we have a contract on the house? And I said, you know what? That's perfectly reasonable. Like, absolutely. I can wait for that. So Friday rolls around. So mind you, Monday, put the house for sale. Wednesday, I'm ready to quit, but I, I don't. And then Friday comes and my the managing partner and my mentor walk into my office. And immediately I knew what was happening because I am like five minorities rolled into one. And so if you can say that I manifested getting fired, like I absolutely manifested getting fired because I knew that I would have to get a severance package. So they walk in and immediately I knew it was happening. And they basically were like, Hey, you can be on this perform performance improvement plan. Cause mind you, I was like planning my exit. I was, I was like studying all day long to make sure that I would be okay going out on my own. And they were like, you, you can be on this performance improvement plan, or you can just take three months, go find another job, and we'll pay you for three months. And it's taking everything in me not to have a smile on my face when they're telling me all of this. And it was a Friday morning, and they're like, you know what, take the rest of the day, take the weekend to think about it. I was like, okay, like trying to look all sad. And they walked out of my office. I packed up my shit. I walked out and never went back and got the $30,000. <laughs> We literally got an all cash offer on the house within like the next week and we're in Texas within a couple of, a couple of weeks. But I remember that day I was so excited, so excited because I could actually go out on my own because my, my ex-husband still didn't want me to have my own firm. He was wanting me to apply for jobs in Houston. And I was so excited because I was like, look, I just got this win. We just got this windfall. And now I have more runway to start my own firm. So I'm so excited. And I get home and he is pissed. Like, <laughs> pissed. And I'm just like, why are you mad? Like, this is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> and I mean, ultimately, that's when I knew. Um, 
we were still married for a couple more years but yeah that that clearly did not work out but the business did <laughs> absolutely i love this i love this um it's funny how because I get on it with an attorney, not only an attorney, but number 27 out of 47 or 40,000 rather. And, and and we have this golden nugget of I packed up my shit and I left. And, and also <laughs> I manifested getting firing, which I think more yeah. people should do. More people yeah. should get fired um, and start their own business. Because as you yeah. mentioned and you alluded to, you, you find a lot more happiness and fulfillment when you're in charge. It might not be for everybody, but it's certainly – worth like that's really where wealth is made especially oh, in the absolutely. field of attorneys and doctors mm -hmm. and stuff like that the private practices they're the yeah. ones that are really raking it in yeah and that's ultimately what it's about is not even i my mindset personally has changed a lot over the last five and a half years since i've had my own firm i so i my goal I, oh i want to grow to be a million dollar law firm i did that within two years and then i would say ultimately i was just bored. I was like, okay, cool. I hit this, like, you know, what now? And then I realized, okay, now I don't want to just work all day long. And I, I realized that I worked a lot because I was avoiding, you know, my husband at the time, <laughs> but now I work as little as possible and have as much fun as possible. That's ultimately my goal every single day. I wake up, I ask myself, okay, what's the most fun I can have today? And then I go do that. So I have learned how to balance as much as possible and make as much money as possible, but working as little as possible. That's ultimately my goal. And it's, I've been in a pretty beautiful flow the last several months, um, but it has been a wild ride getting here. I will say that. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm sure you've enjoyed, enjoyed almost every step of the way. I think it's funny how um, parallel the entrepreneur's journey is. It doesn't really matter oh, what yeah. field you're in. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a little bit behind you. I'm at the point where I just, I'm realizing brute force isn't going to get me where I want to go. This is mm -hmm. actually, I need to slow down in order to speed oh, yeah. up because I need to get more people involved, well, which is something that you mentioned because you said that you so worked true. too hard. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, it's just part of what happens. Well, ultimate. So one thing I didn't mention. <laughs> so I also play a lot of poker and this summer I, so backtrack a little bit. So my real life best friend is my operations manager. She started working for me when COVID hit and she is a professional bowler. So we bowled in college together and that's how we met. Now she, she bowls on tour, which is in the, the women, the ladies tour is in the summer. And she, so she still works, but usually because they pretty much bowl like Thursday, Friday or Saturday, sometimes Sunday. And I play a lot of poker. And for the first time I went to Vegas and played in the world series of poker this summer. And so I didn't realize, cause I was like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of take it easy this summer because luckily like what we have in legal preneurs, we have a membership. So a lot of it's recurring revenue. So I didn't realize because I was explaining it to someone one day how I was like, oh, I'm taking it easy this summer, blah, blah, blah. Like Kayla's bowling. I'm playing poker. And somebody said, oh, you just you took your foot off the gas. <laughs> and it hit me all of a sudden. I was like, oh, my gosh, like my foot has been on the gas for the last five years. <laughs> That's what you call it. <laughs> and I will tell you, Tim, we 
have had some of the highest revenue months over the past, you know, the summer since mm. we've had in two or three years. Absolutely. I hope I have the same results because I've got yeah. literally the same exact conclusion. I'm just like, wow, I have not stopped working in five years pretty much. Um, yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm going to start putting some restrictions on my ability to work. And those restrictions are forcing me to find alternative solutions. Like, exactly. You're not working yep. past six. Um, yep. You're not working past six anymore. So you're going to have to figure it out, man. Um, yep. So there's a couple more points I really wanted to touch upon. You mentioned boredom. Boredom is like my Achilles heel. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> and this is common in entrepreneurs because we tend to be shiny object chasers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But you're never going to make a ton of money unless you focus. So what yeah. would you be your general advice to somebody else that struggles with conquering boredom? Well, for me personally, I and I think this is in some to some extent, this is probably very true for a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs. After like going through my divorce and everything, I did a lot of work on myself, a lot of healing work. And I realized a lot of that boredom was, it was just, it was me feeling unsafe because my entire life I've been chasing something and going through my whole healing journey. I, <laughs> this is going to sound really sad. <laughs> And I like I cried for days once I like made all these discoveries and started working on this stuff. But ever since I was a kid, I've been chasing the love of others, even you know from my parents, from my family. And once I was going through my divorce, I didn't really have someone else's love to chase. And I actually so the, what started Legalpreneur was the fact that I basically achieved it all within my law firm within a couple of years. And I started Legalpreneur because I no longer cared about my law firm. Because once I realized, oh, I built this trying to earn the love of, you know, someone that was never going to love me the way I, that I wanted to be loved. Like it just wasn't possible for him to love me the way that I wanted or needed to be loved. And once I healed all that, once I worked through all of that, that's when I was able to just, you know, take a step back and realize, okay, I have been chasing something that I'm never going to get. And so once I learned, oh, I, I have to give myself that love first. That's really when the pieces started slowly coming together. Um, I mean, this was, I would say 2021. When I really first started discovering all of that, and I would say earlier this year, 2023, that's really when it all finally was like, oh, it's finally blossoming. It's finally beautiful. Uh, so I would say like two years of trying to overcome that. Um, so it doesn't happen overnight. But as entrepreneurs, we're always like we have shiny object syndrome. But once you internally work on the things, then it doesn't, it actually no longer feels safe to be chasing, chasing, chasing. Oh, I could relate to that on a serious, serious <laughs> level. Um, cause I'm exhausted from chasing and, and I, I could relate to the whole thing because like literally step by step, what you just went through has been my same realization. Yeah. Like success is internal. I, I, I don't have control of what other people think of me. If I go chasing yeah. admiration, it doesn't like, I, I don't have control. Um, so yeah. You're, you're bound to be upset if that is your goal. But if you make 
you have to be a little bit selfish. I think you could probably relate to this. I am far more willing to take action for somebody else's benefit than my own. Um, yeah. <laughs> it is just, it's easier for me for some reason. It's like, oh, that guy's going to, like, they're going to get in trouble if I don't do this. I better do it. Um, it changes the yeah. whole concept. And if I'm the one that could be the victim or whatever, it's just like, maybe I don't want to do it still. It just depends. <laughs> so I think that is so important. Were there any exercises that you did to help you come to this re realization? Or was it just something that kind of happened through the divorce and stuff like that? Well, the moment I left my ex-husband, I started working with a coach because it wasn't, when I left, it wasn't a, you hurt me, you suck, I'm out. It was, hey, we are not helping each other. Like, we're not building each other up. Like this, I'm not the best version of myself. You're not the best version of yourself. And we're not helping each other get there. And so I need to go out. Like, I, if I'm going to be the best version of myself, I can't do that in this marriage. And so I knew immediately, like I wanted to start working on myself because I wasn't, I just wasn't happy. And so I did start working with a coach and spent a lot of money, <laughs> but it was all worth it. I mean, I was, when I, I, remember, I will never forget the first call I had with her. I was like, oh, I'm fine going through this divorce. Like I don't cry. I don't do any of that. I just want to get, I want to be a better version of myself. And she was like, oh, honey, we have a lot of work to do. And so, <laughs> honestly, the biggest thing that I've learned since getting divorced and the most useful tool that I've learned is learning how to identify my emotions and working through my emotions. Because I, I'm telling you, I mean, I wasn't allowed to cry as a kid. I wasn't, you know, allowed to show any emotion. My parent, my family had no emotional capacity. And so learning how to identify what I was feeling and actually feeling it, that has been the biggest tool that I could ever have. And so now, honestly, getting more personal here, the biggest thing I'm working through right now is that emotional capacity with my family. There is, so I've, you know, I've done all this work on myself and I'm, you know, in a completely different place and my family's still in, you know, same place as, you know, 20 years ago when I was a kid and wasn't allowed to show emotion. So working through that to still, you know, try and have that family, but knowing they have no emotional capacity. That's, that's been a big struggle lately. <laughs> It's funny, like the nature versus nurture concept, because, again, I relate to this like on a, on a level that's uncanny, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, um, like not understand. Like, it sounds weird to anybody I've ever told this to, but it's like I don't understand. My, I still don't. I try to yeah. like I have to label it intentionally. It's like I feel something. What is it yeah. that I feel? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, and, and yeah, that emotional capacity, once you understand it. You could also see the roots of why you're that way. And it is awful. Oh, yeah. Like a parent not having the <laughs> yeah. emotional capacity to pass on, right? And then yep. that's why you're confused growing up because you don't yep. understand it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. Um, one last question, and hopefully it's not too dense, um, yeah. but I think it's important. Um, like, cause there are going to be some higher level entrepreneurs like attorneys and doctors and stuff like that, that listen to this, that might be interested in starting a private practice, but they might be very, very scared of it. What mm -hmm. would you tell them? Just do it. If it, so I, what I have learned over the past really five, six years is if something's on your heart, if something is, if you're feeling something like a nudge to do something like that is worth something and it is worth exploring. 
So it may seem hard. It may seem like the scariest thing in the world. You may think, oh, I, you know, I can't leave this job because I have a family and kids to support. I, you, you can come up with every last excuse in the book, but ultimately if it's on your heart, it's there for a reason. And the universe isn't going to give you something that you can't handle. And I know that sounds very cliche, but I know there's a quote, it's like jump and then the net will catch you. And that's ultimately what it comes down to because you just have to jump and you'll just figure it out. Like your back will be against the wall. You'll just figure it out. And that's ultimately really what happened when I did start my own firm because we, I was scared because we hadn't, nobody had even come to look at our house and I really wanted to hurry up and move to Houston. And there were so many things that had to happen. And Tim literally within a week or two, all, it was probably like 10 different things had to happen. It's like, well, hopefully eventually we'll get to move to Houston. Bam, get our house gets for sale. Bam, I get fired. Bam, this happens. Bam, that gets done. And then bam, we like literally get an all cash offer, which didn't really happen where we were living. It was all retail and uh, yeah, retail purchasers, but it happened like this guy and his wife had moved from California. He was a startup founder. He had plenty of cash and they paid in all cash. And I was like, wow, like this is when you know that you're on the right path. Like things just, you make a decision and you start pursuing that decision and things will just fall into place. Absolutely. Well, that's my favorite part about the entrepreneur's journey because it's a growth journey. As your business grows, you need to grow with your business. Um, And it sounds kind of self-serving and selfish, but like it makes you a better person. If you get, you have to become a better person to accomplish really large goals. Um, So to anybody out there listening, make one day today. Go out there and jump. Just go out there and jump because you're going to figure it out. There's really Mm -hmm. no problem that can't be solved. There's really no such thing as that thing. So just go out there and you'll figure it out. Um, Andrea, anybody out there that are thinking about jumping and they might need some legal support will be the best yeah. way for them to get in touch with you. Yeah. So you can find us at thelegalpreneur.com and you can email me, Andrea, at thelegalpreneur.com anytime. We also do have a free business owner's legal checklist. So this is telling you everything that you need, all the little details. So we, you know, I covered very high level what you need, your LLC, of course, you need contracts and intellectual property protected. Uh, but the checklist goes through a lot more detail. And in that, we also provide a business audit. So Legalpreneur, we sell the business audit, but in the checklist, there's a code to get it for free. So normally it's $450, but there's a code in there to get it for free. So definitely check that out in the show notes. Absolutely. They will be in there. Andrea Sager, thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Yeah, it was an absolute blast. And then to those of you out there chasing freedom, maybe stop chasing too hard. It's not really all about yourself, right? So um, don't be looking for everything from an external source. Success is internal. So figure it out. Figure out what's going on here. Tell somebody you know that will help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 